Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. I um, trust you've enjoyed it so far. Very different sort of service from our normal Sunday, but you know the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us, and uh, it's awesome. But, you know, this morning's a celebration. It's Easter Sunday. Jesus raised from was raised from the dead on Easter Sunday, and I'm just going to go back and just share a few thoughts this morning, and we'll have some worship towards the back end of our time together. But um, just want to say that last weekend we we looked at Palm Sunday and the story, the biblical narrative, which is a piece of history. A piece of history that took a week, effectively, this final week of the life of Jesus Christ. We looked at the, the, the humanity of who Jesus is. And today we're celebrating the divinity of who Jesus is. He's God and man. The only man who ever existed that was both man and God. Um, and the only man who ever will exist that, that is man and God. And uh, it's awesome to think about it. But last week we looked at uh, the journey that led up to the, the Friday and what we call Good Friday, I still can't get my head around why we call it Good Friday. <laughs> it was the toughest piece of a man's life you could ever, ever have. And, and the, the actors this morning brought it out so brilliantly. In fact, I hadn't seen the production until after last Sunday. And it sort of paralleled so much of what we talked about. Uh, and the hours coming up to Jesus' death. And of course, Thursday night, Passover, going into Friday morning. And, uh, and that man who had to go through the journey of fighting his own flesh, if you like, to do what his father had asked him to do and told him to do. Um, we know that Jesus uh, was, was tried effectively six times on that Friday morning, six times. Um, you know, he was taken to Caiaphas and Annas and then Sanhedrin and then to Pilate, then to Herod, then back to Pilate. So six times he was taken before a council or be- to a place of judgment. Uh, this man who who knew what he had to do and set his, his mind to do the right thing. Um, this isn't a, just a story. This, in fact, isn't, this is a piece of history. This is the narrative of a man who lived. And uh, this morning, just for a few minutes, we're going to, to look at what that purpose was. And we call the theme Cross Purposes because this purpose was set out from the beginning of time. It was set out that Jesus would do this. But there's a huge number of um, relevant aspects of this that we're going to unpack this morning. I just want to look at um, Matthew 28, 1 to, 6, 1 to 6, just a few verses. It says, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning. Just think of that for a second, as the new day was dawning. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning. I don't know if you've got the verses there, guys, but when they do pop them up. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. I think that's quite a funny piece of scripture, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Verse 5, then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen, come see where his body was lying. It's just amazing. Um, you know, the man who was crucified, that process of crucifixion. You know, under Jewish law, the death penalty was always stoning. 
It wasn't crucifixion. Jewish law said death by stoning. Death was always by stoning. Roman law says death by crucifixion. And what God did was he put Jesus at a point in history where the Roman, um, the mighty power of Rome was very concerned about this little Hebrew nation of, of Israel, of or Jerusalem in particular. They knew that was a centre of a potential, a, a powder keg, and that came out in the production this morning. Uh, and that's why Herod was nearby. That's why Pilate and the garrisons were around the town. They knew something could kick off at that point in time. So the Romans were there in force. They were waiting, anticipating, thinking something could go on. And, uh, and God knew that was going to happen. He knew in the, in the course of history, he knew that Jesus was going to be our spotless, sinless Passover lamb. And as you allow your mind to think back to the Old Testament, we looked at or listened to Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was even born, prophesying about what would happen in his life. All those prophecies that would come, come true about where he was born, about the circumstances of his life, things that he could never manufacture, things that were tied to his divine role and point in history. But you know, when he was condemned to crucifixion, it was only because they recognised that he was king. And that was the only, the only charge that would stand against him was the fact that he was king and he stood as king. You know, he was abused. The crucifixion itself was horrific, but the abuse he went through before the crucifixion itself, he was blindfolded, he was spat on, his beard was plucked out. Um, the accusers round him said, who did it? Who did it? You tell us, you name, who did it? As he was blindfolded. And then, of course, he was scourged. You know, in Roman uh, law, you couldn't scourge someone. That's when you're flogged with uh, a, a stick with leather uh, strands coming out of it, little strings of leather. But on the end of each string of leather was either glass or bone or rock tied to each one. And each one had nine of these on it. And the maximum number of lashes you could have under Roman law was 40. And if anybody, can, anybody accidentally went above the 40 they had to suffer the same penalty. Why? Because it was so gruesome, because it was so painful. Because you imagine being beaten and nine of those flailed pieces of leather just digging into your skin. The Bible says he was marred beyond, you know, it was just terrible. And yet he suffered that for us. This is before he was crucified. And you know why he was lashed only 39 times? Because they didn't want to go over the 40. So just 39 times he was lashed. He was, he was scourged. If you multiply 39 by 9, you know how many times those little bits just stuck into his flesh and ripped back. This was no, you know, just mythical kind of mystery of, of nothingness. This was a real death of a person. And of course, he was crucified on Friday morning all those years ago, 9 a.m. He was crucified. And what did he do? He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. But on Sunday, he was raised to life. And this morning, we're celebrating that resurrection. So what does the resurrection mean? The resurrection is God's gift to humanity. It's God's gift to us. His son is a gift to us. And this morning, as we sit here, maybe you've been a long way from God. Maybe you felt very distant from him. Maybe you've actually been living your own life and you have been king of your life. Well, this morning, we want to talk about a kingdom where Jesus is king, where he is already done what you cannot do for yourself. He's done what nobody else can do for you. You know, in AD 33, which is when Jesus died, he had 120 followers in that upper room. 120 followers. Do you know how many people they estimate 
would call themselves Christians around the world today? 2.3 billion people. So how do 12 followers of Jesus, 120 in that upper room, after Jesus' death and resurrection, how do those, that small number of people become 2.3 billion people who would claim to be followers of Jesus around this earth? One in three of the global population would say, yes, I'm Christian. Whether they've got an active living faith is between them and God, but would call themselves Christians. How is it possible that such a tiny group could grow into such a huge number of people who identify with him? Did you know Christianity and the following of Jesus is the largest organisation on the planet Earth, bar none? Did you know that? Christianity is not a minority group. This is the biggest thing that the world has ever seen. Following Jesus is the most significant thing on the planet today. Did you know that if you put all the followers of Jesus together, it's bigger than the population of China? It's bigger than the population of China and the population of the United States. It's bigger than the population of the United States and China and Europe combined. That's the following of Jesus Christ. How is it possible that one man with a group of fishermen and carpenters, local village people could influence the world so greatly because of the resurrection, which is what we're celebrating today. It's the resurrection. You know, in that first 300 years, the followers of Jesus Christ were persecuted. It wasn't like they had the West End to perform on. It wasn't like they had an open stage like we've got this morning. They were persecuted. That Roman Empire, they, they, it was illegal in Rome for the first 300 years of Christianity to follow Jesus Christ. And if you were caught, you were almost certainly going to be killed. So against all the odds, this tiny little band of believers saw growth like this world has never seen. And how is it possible? Because of the resurrection. It's not because of a bright idea. It's not because of some old dusty scriptures. It's because of God's empowering of human beings, ordinary human beings like you and me, to know him. You know, Jesus never wrote a book. Did you know that? He never wrote, in fact, he never wrote a letter that we know of. We have no recorded writings of Jesus himself, but there have been more writings about him than any other man in history. It's extraordinary, isn't it? You know, Jesus never composed any songs, but there have been more songs written about him and music written to his honour than any other person in history. You know, Jesus never built a building, yet there are more buildings built in honour of who Jesus Christ was than anybody else in history. How is that possible? You know, Jesus never painted anything on canvas. He never sculpted anything. But there's more works of art around the world that pay tribute to who Jesus Christ is than anybody else who ever lived. You know, Jesus never travelled more than 200 miles from where he was born. And yet, there isn't anywhere in the world where you won't find a follower of Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing what God is doing. That's the power. How is it possible? The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what is the resurrection? It's him coming back to life. The gospel, the good news has spread because it's the good news of the kingdom of God. And yet humanity wants to live in its own world, defining itself as king. I'm just going to share with you just for a few moments, as we have time this morning, about the power of the resurrection and what it means to us now. The first thing is this that the power of the resurrection has removed all guilt, shame and regret from our lives. The power of the resurrection removes all guilt, all shame and all regret from our lives. Why? Because when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, that's what he does. Ephesians 1, 7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son, 
and forgave our sins. That forgiveness removes guilt, shame and regret. Why? Because we know what we're about and we know where we're going. Who put Jesus on the cross? His father did. God put him on the cross. It says in Isaiah 53, 6, which Matt read this morning, uh, we left God's path to follow. This is 700 years before he walked this earth. We left God's path to follow our own. That's us, human beings. Yet the Lord, that's the Father, laid on him the sins of us all. That's what fueled the expansion of the gospel, the good news of his kingdom. And when we're what we're celebrating this morning is that resurrection which identifies the beginning of the kingdom of God on earth. That's what this is about. So the first thing of the resurrection is it removes something. It removes guilt and shame and it removes regret. You know, human beings are full of condemnation of themselves. In fact, I don't think it's so much them. I think it's the, the spiritual forces in this world. They condemn you to yourself. The second thing is uh, the resurrection removed the fear of death. Did you know the fear of death is one of the greatest fears in humanity? What will happen after? What's going to happen? What's there in the future? What is my destiny? The fear of death. Acts 1.3 says, During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles and from time to time, from time to time, he just, from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. <laughs> and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. That's what we're talking about this morning, the kingdom of God. He died and was resurrected, resurrected so that we could do something, we could enter his kingdom. That's what we're celebrating this morning. The resurrection is the removal of the fear of death and the entering to his kingdom. It's extraordinary. What would it, well, how could you possibly explain this in Jerusalem? The whole city knew that he'd been crucified. Why? Because the whole city cried out for his death. And then for 40 days, he walked around alive after he'd been killed. It's extraordinary. What would you have done if someone you thought was dead came to your house and sat down and had dinner with you? It's, no, it's unbelievable, yet it was believable. She, Jesus came back to life. It was, he came onto this earth for 40 days to show everybody and anybody who encountered him that he was alive. So there will be multiple witnesses. This isn't just some dusty old pieces of writing for some, some historic monk in a mountain. This is hundreds of people saw him walking this earth to prove that he'd come back, to, to, to prove that he conquered death. And if he can conquer death, that means we can conquer death. So we have to have no fear of death because God liberates us from that fear when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 4 to 7, it says, He was buried, then he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Um, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, uh, though some have died. Then verse 7 he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. He was seen by loads of people. Why was he seen by so many people? Just to prove that he was alive. He's alive. And that's the, the proof of his resurrection. For 40 days, hundreds of people saw him walking this earth. The third powerful benefit of the resurrection is that we receive God's spirit. We receive God's spirit. We receive God's spirit inside of us. We run out of energy. As human beings, we run out of energy in life. We try and do things in our own strength. We try and be free from this and we try and be free from that. We're trying to overcome the pressures of life. We're trying to, we're trying to do so much in our own strength. And actually, there's some powerful principles in the Bible about resting in God's presence. When you come into the kingdom of God, God gives you space to rest in his presence. 
It says in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, it says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. In fact, in Acts 1.8, it says that we will receive his spirit so that we can be empowered to be witnesses. How do you overcome the things in this world? By the power of the spirit of God in you. It's the power of God working in you. And so often we allow the things in this world to dominate our thinking. We allow the things in this world to overcome us. We allow our past to take over us. We, we get condemned by various things. We look to alternatives. We look to drugs, to, to alcohol, to sex, to working too long, to all sorts of things. We get hooked up in sport. We get consumed by the FA Cup. We get, we get caught up in all sorts of stuff. We even do snowboarding to get ourselves out of, and I say that for my own personal benefit. Um, But, um, you know, the power of God's resurrection is the power of God's spirit now inside us to overcome the world. That's what God's done. And those of us who follow Jesus can celebrate today that resurrection has enabled us to overcome the world. It brings healing, both of mind and body and spirit. And we've seen healings in this church on many occasions. Not all the time, but on many occasions. We've seen them in this country and we've seen them abroad. Another key benefit of the resurrection is that we receive God's unconditional love. His unconditional love. Where can you go in this world to receive unconditional love? Nowhere. I'm telling you, nowhere. Everybody loves for conditions in this world. We try and work at it, but God's the only one who gives unconditional love. For God so loved the world that he gave his, gave his only son. It's based on who he is, not what you have done. His unconditional love is based on who he is, not what you have done. It's not about what you do, it's about who he is. The Christian faith, the following of Jesus Christ, is not a message of fear. It's not a message of hate. It's not a message of anger. You know, there's so much stuff done in the name of religion around this world. And right now people are dying around the world because certain religions are dominating the headlines. And it's fear, hate, intimidation. But God sent his son with unconditional love to conquer this world. Every other move of humanity and every other move of religion would indicate that you've got to fit into rules and regulations and if you don't do certain things, you deserve to die. Well, in Christianity, God, with his new covenant of grace, brought that unconditional love into our worlds. John 13, 34, 35, So now I'm giving you a new commandment, a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. You love for no one, uh, sorry, your love for no Uh, for one another, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know, one of the greatest pieces of scripture about about love was written by the Apostle Paul. And yet the Apostle Paul was a man who murdered Christians. It's incredible. When his life changed by following Jesus Christ, he discovered about the truth, about God's unconditional love for humanity. And one of the most famous pieces of scripture now used at millions and millions of weddings is all about what love is. Love is faithful, love is kind, it's not condemning, etc., etc. Another huge benefit of the resurrection, we receive our purpose and meaning. Mark 8, 35, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find it, you will save it. What would you die for? Your job? Your hobbies? Your house? What would you die for? 
When you know the true love and relationship with Jesus Christ and what it is to be his follower, your life falls into place. There's no substitute. Work, food, snowboarding. (laughs) Um, Why did the early church grow so fast? Because people knew the unconditional love of God. They received an understanding of their purpose and they committed their life to meaning. And that's what they did. And that's why there are 2.3 billion followers of Jesus Christ on this planet. And finally, the final benefit this morning I'm going to look at about the resurrection, that you will receive certainty that you will go to heaven. First Peter 1, verse 4, For we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Wow. An inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. God has already prepared our futures for us. It's not hit and miss. The question is, do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to be in heaven? If you do, you have to respond to this gospel. It's not a case of floating along and just just hoping something might happen. It's a choice to respond. John 14, 6, it says that Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no man goes to the Father except by me. He did. He said, he didn't say, I am one of the ways. He said, I am the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man goes to the Father except, to me, uh, except through me. Powerful words. And finally, Romans 10, 9 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. We're celebrating that open declaration that Jesus is Lord and we're believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And it says, then you will be saved. It's not a passive thing, it's an active response. And this morning, it's Easter Sunday. Let's just think on these things for a few moments. Adam, lead us in a, in some, in a song this morning. <laughs>